All right. Wow, some hoedown music this morning. Designated hugger music is different every time. That's why you have to come because you never know what's going to happen. I want to have my friend Jose pray for us, pray for me, pray for the sermon that the Lord comes. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this opportunity to be able to join here together freely. And I ask that you just uh, allow us to uh, have our ears open and our mind open, Lord, to what you have for us today. And I just pray over Jason that you just... Uh, use him to bring your word, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. Good morning. It's hard to turn this microphone off for some reason, so I'm not going to worry about it. Well, we are uh, going to talk about Jesus this morning. Yeah, yeah, kind of different for church, I know. Now, we've been going through the story of Jesus now. And uh, um, we uh, are going to talk about, well, we're in chapter 24 of the story, if you're reading along with us, the story of Scripture. By the way, if you're visiting with us, uh, welcome. There's, there's a visitor card inside of the bulletin. If you want to fill that out and drop that uh, in the box in the back, that'd be awesome. we got a free gift for you. We'll give you a copy of this book that we're going through. That's the story of Scripture. Um, and uh, anyway, it, whether you're reading along with us or not, I hope you're enjoying this series. We're enjoying it because it's hard not to enjoy getting into the meat of what Jesus did, isn't it? At least it is for me. Um, so we're going to dive right in uh, this morning. There were a lot of amazing things that happened uh, in this chapter. Jesus did all kinds of wonders that got people following him. Uh, he walked on water. He calmed seas. Uh, he, he told parables that had a way of showing uh, a, a person's heart to themselves. He was amazing, and people followed him like crazy. So there's a lot I could talk about, but I want to focus specifically on one passage this morning, and that's the story of the Sermon on the Mount, um, particularly the very beginning, because there's a story to it. It's not just a sermon. So I want to focus this morning on the things that have come to be known as the Beatitudes. So here is a very, very famous uh, passage of Scripture, one of the most famous passages in the entire New Testament. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward, is in, your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Very famous passage of scripture. And here, it, it, it's, it's, it's confounded people for a long time because it's one of these sort of literary giants um, of the ancient world, the Beatitudes. There's so much beauty and there's, you, you see so many hints of things, like the elevation of those who are downcast. You see the, a, a glimpse of the upside down kingdom when the order of the world is just turned on its head. You see so many different things, but at the same time, it's very confusing and it can be confounding. And people have wrestled with this passage uh, as much as any other. And here, here's basically the big question. Should we aspire to the Beatitudes? Should we aspire to them? And if so, how? 
See, there's a whole bunch of, of different characterizations that, that Jesus gives here. And they're, they're not always things that are um, attractive. For example, poor in spirit. It's hard to see how being poor in spirit is a good thing. Basically because it's not a good thing. <laughs> it's not. Now, translators knew this. And so there's some for a while who were like trying to think, okay, I don't understand what Jesus means because being poor in spirit is, is actually, a, well, that's a real bummer. Um, so maybe it's blessed are those who know they are poor in spirit. Oh, because there's inherent blessings there. Because there is. So that's really true. Blessed are those who know they're poor in spirit. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, um, the, uh, uh, the, the great spiritual giant uh, of our day, Dallas Willard, who, I don't know if you guys have read Dallas Willard, incredible man of God, uh, author, scholar. He just went to be with the Lord, I think, about two years ago. He wrote a book called uh, The Divine Conspiracy, which has been a very influential book. Um, and uh, he has, I, I'm actually pilfering a little bit from him this morning um, because I, I thought this was so good. Now, he suggests that the, uh, uh, the paraphrase for this um, is, it could be like this. Blessed are the spiritual zeros. It's not good. Blessed are the spiritual zeros. The spiritually bankrupt, deprived, and deficient. The spiritual beggars without a wisp of religion when the kingdom of heaven comes upon them. Blessed are those who have no idea who Jesus is. Blessed are those who, who, who just say, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious because I, I, I can't make heads or tails of anything. Blessed are those who feel inherently weak in their spirituality. Blessed are those who really have no idea. Jesus says, you're blessed. The author Philip Yancey suggests that a better translation is lucky. Like in the sense, no, not, not in the, not in the uh, uh, like, gambling kind of sense or that kind of thing, right? Not in the sense of fatalism, but in the sense that we use it today. And, oh, you're so lucky. Oh, like you're so fortunate. It's not fair. As Jesus is saying, oh, you spiritual zeros, it's not fair. You're so cool. Wait a second. You're starting to see a little bit of the tension that people have felt looking at these passages. So that's just, that's just uh, the poor in spirit. How about this one? Blessed are those who mourn. Pastor Joshua already touched on that this morning. Blessed are those who mourn, those who are in the midst of loss. There's no joy on their face. There's only sorrow. They dress in black, and they sit in empty bedrooms surrounded by cardboard boxes full of memories of a family member they'll never see again. There's a tangible, almost physical pain inside them. They don't want to see anybody or talk to anyone. They just want to be left alone. They just want to mourn. And Jesus comes to them and says, You're blessed. Blessed are the meek. We've prettied this one up as well, you know, with the term like, well, meekness isn't weakness. Well, in, in this, he wasn't, he, it kind of is. And what Jesus was saying here, blessed are the meek. Let me give you who, the, who are the meek. They're the shy, the ones who are always overlooked, the wallflowers who have thoughts and ideas and talents that always go unnoticed. They want to speak up, but they chicken out. They're always drowned out by those with more social poise. Blessed are the meek, and the meek are going, I don't feel blessed at all. What are you talking about? Are you with me? I can still ask that question occasionally, can't I? Right, good. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. These are those who can't get righteousness. Do you see this? They're hungering and thirsting. They're starving for it. They can't get it. They want it so bad for themselves. They want it for others, but especially they want it for themselves. They battle against the same demons over and over and over again. And just when they start to gain some spiritual momentum, doing what's right and vanquishing their besetting sins, they fall again. They want righteousness, but they can't get it. And Jesus says to them, you're blessed. And finally, those who are persecuted, the brothers and sisters who meet in secret locations, the ones who are in constant fear of informants, the ones, well, like our friends in Cuba, ones whose children are made paraplegics by secret police as a warning to shut down their churches. You are blessed. Can you see a bit of the tension here? Why uh, would you call these people blessed? Why would you say, hey, would you come up to them and say, hey, you shouldn't complain? I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. I don't think he's saying we should inspire, aspire to these conditions. Should we envy those that are in these conditions? Well, it would be a strange thing if that was Jesus' recommendation. It would be a pretty insensitive thing, actually, if that was Jesus' recommendation. And there are scriptures that talk, constantly talk to how to minister to people who are in these situations. So it becomes a, a, a very difficult thing to understand, but I think it's critical that we understand it. Jesus did not say, first of all, blessed are the poor in spirit because they are poor in spirit. Pause. Don't keep reading for a second. We need to just read that sentence again and slowly, okay? Jesus did not say, blessed are those who are poor in spirit because they're poor in spirit. He did not think, what a fine thing it is to be destitute of every spiritual attainment or quality. That's not what he said. Nor did he say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they are still hungering and thirsting but never attaining. If that's what he meant, he wouldn't have said this just 14 verses later. He said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, how can he at one hand say, be righteous? In fact, I call you to be even more righteous than the more right, most righteous people you know. And at the same time, look to these people and go, you people who can't get righteousness, you're the ones who've got it. You're the lucky ones. How could he do that? So what did he mean then? That's the question. If it's not something to be attained to, then what did he mean? Well, I think we should start by getting a little bit bigger context for this passage. Here's the context. Here he is. This is an actual photograph. <laughs> 30 AD. It was initially called the Sermon on the Rock for obvious reasons. I like this painting um, because you can actually, they, they actually bring in some of the context here. You see, uh, I don't know, oh, can you see it up here? You can't see it real well maybe, but you see a person down here who very much looks like a beggar. Uh, you see a person, a woman right here who very much seems like she's in mourning and a, a, a child 
pointing at her. Maybe she's begging too. Thank you. Wow, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> you'd see all kinds of things here were the kinds of people he came and, and was talking to. And many of them look very destitute. Look at this young man sitting on his hands and knees. He, he has the look to me of, of someone who's maybe been in that position a whole lot on his hands, sort of sitting cross-legged, hoping that someone will come by and drop alms in a cup. And here's Jesus talking to all of them. The context for the Sermon on the Mount begins a few verses early. In chapter 4 of Matthew, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease. And uh, I lost my place. Oh, and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill. Those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, the disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. What we see is Jesus surrounded by the very people that he's speaking to in the Beatitudes. Do you see this? Do you see the poor in spirit there? Because they're there. Do you see the mourners there? Because they're there. Do you see the, the people who are hungering and thirst for righteousness? See, everywhere he's going, he has the most needy, the most desperate following him. Sure, he's got other people that are gawkers. They're on the fringes. But the ones who are close to him, they're the people who just desperately need a touch from God. Desperately, and they'll do anything to do it. They're like the woman who's been bleeding for years and years, and he's already got a bubble around him. He's got bodyguards, and he's got, he's got Peter and John going like this, and a woman just stretches out and just touches his garment. Just That's how desperate these people are. And these are the people... Jesus has been spending time with, ministering to, healing, and suddenly they're surrounding them. And he says, blessed are you. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are you in these desperate situations. Jesus is speaking to the audience that's represented in the Beatitudes. He's talking to, to all of these people in these difficult situations. And he's telling them, here's what he's telling them. He's telling them that they're blessed because the kingdom has come. They're blessed not because there's some meritorious condition, not because the fact that they're poor in spirit or they're destitute is this wonderful thing. And he looks at him and goes, now you're blessed? No. It's, it's so different than that, guys, and you can see why this has caused so much confusion. If that's what you take from it, then we have a really almost schizophrenic gospel. We have a God who says, go to minister to all of these people. He's healing. He's healing those who are poor in spirit. He's, he's, he's raising people from the dead. You have Mary and Martha who are mourning. Why didn't he stop and say, no, I don't get, I'm not going to heal them. That's good that you're mourning. That's good that you're, man, mourning, that is where you should be. And if I raise him from the dead, you're not going to be blessed anymore. Do you see what I'm saying? What he's saying is, you are blessed because I'm here. 
You're blessed because the kingdom has come to you. Even you. You see, this is so countercultural, you guys. So countercultural. It is today, too, to some extent, but nothing like it would have been back there. You see, the kingdom to them was all about might. It was all about seizing all the power and the authority. It was about banding together and trying to overthrow their political overlords. And he says the kingdom doesn't belong to them. Come, come close. Blessed are you. I'm here. Blessed are you. Do you want to receive from me? I'm here. The kingdom has come to you today. And it turned everything on his head because people are like, the kingdom doesn't belong to these people. And he's going, oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. The kingdom comes to whoever I come to. The kingdom belongs to whoever will receive me. Dallas Willard concludes this. The Beatitudes are not teaching on how to be blessed. They are not introductions or instructions to do anything. They do not indicate conditions that are especially pleasing to God for human beings. No one's actually being told that they're better off for being poor or for mourning or being persecuted and so on or that the conditions listed are recommended ways to well-being before God and man. Rather... The Beatitudes are explanations and illustrations drawn from the immediate setting of the present availability of the kingdom through personal relationship to Jesus. They, they single out cases that provide proof that in him, the rule of God from the heavens truly is available in all life circumstances that are beyond all human hope. <sighs> that's, good, that's good news. The Beatitudes then are an announcement of the kingdom and that the kingdom is bigger and more powerful than we ever expected. Do you see what this says? You see, as E. Stanley Jones says, he, he is the kingdom. You can't separate the eternal kingdom from the unchanging person. Where he goes, he brings kingdom. The kingdom has come Yes, even to you. That's what the Beatitudes say. The kingdom has come. Yes, even to you. But to me, yeah, even to you. But you don't understand where I've been. Well, the kingdom's come to you. It has, no matter what your condition. Christ brings a new order. What does it matter? Why does it matter? Well, I think it matters because uh, of how we view our brokenness. Our, our brokenness our brokenness is, wow, there's a typo there. Somebody needs to get on that. Are neither to be commended nor denied. You see, we, we have a tendency in this day and age to wear our brokenness, to wear our weakness, to wear even our sin problems uh, as a badge of honor in, in a weird way. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Sort of like we, we sometimes can be sentimental about our sin. We can be sentimental about our Places where we've been hurt. And maybe it's because of a misunderstanding of the Beatitudes. You're like, well, I guess that's what God wants me to be. He wants me to be miserable. He wants me to be hungry and thirst after righteousness. He doesn't want me to, he doesn't want me to get victory over sin, obviously. He wants me to be hungering and thirsting after righteousness and never attaining. Yeah, God doesn't really want me to obey. Do you see what I'm saying? These kinds of weird things can creep in. Our, the, our places of brokenness are not places that need to be commended 
It's not like, yes, woohoo, I'm weak. Yes, I'm a liar. Yeah. <laughs> or, yes, I've been hurt. Now, that's a different one, isn't it? I've been hurt before. I have. So don't try to get close to me because I've been hurt. You guys, we've all been hurt. Every single one of us has been hurt. So what do we do from there? Where do we go from there? Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, hey, the kingdom has come to you. The kingdom offers healing. The kingdom offers restoration. I, says Jesus, offer restoration. I offer healing. Do you want to stay where you are? Do you want to get sentimental about your brokenness? Or do you want to be put back together by my Holy Spirit? That's the choice. That's what he's offering. That's what Jesus is giving in the Beatitudes. You see, the Beatitudes are an announcement that the kingdom of God has come. And all the old things now can be made new. Our weakness is not to be commended, but nor is it to be denied. You see, we have this other part of us sometimes that thinks that we have to just bite our lip. We got it. We got this. We got this. I talked about my home state of Texas or East Texas, and this is so like such a part of the culture. You know, how are you doing? You're like, you've had a terrible week. Everything's gone wrong. You've completely blown it in all your relationships. You've completely disobeyed God. You feel totally crushed and defeated. And you walk in the church door on Sunday morning. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? As if it should be a thing to denied, to be denied. You shouldn't be commended for being broken, but neither should that be hidden. Jesus says, I've come to you. The kingdom has come to you where you are. So if you are poor in spirit, admit that you're poor in spirit. Don't brag about it, but lift your hand and go, yep, that's me. I need the kingdom to come to me today because I today am poor in spirit. Do you see the difference? Now this is why, you know, we make a big deal about authenticity here um, and like vulnerability and people are always like, man, you guys are like so vulnerable or whatever. And, and to me, I always am like a little bit like, it is something intentional. It is something to actually think it's something that Pastor Joshua has, has infused into this church of being willing to be honest and known for who you really are. But here's what I appreciate. You see, vulnerability can be such a cliche. Authenticity is such a buzzword on the Christian internet, for example. It's authentic. Authenticity is where it's at. But if you stay simply at authenticity, then you'll become friends with all your broken places and begin to brag about them. But here's the thing. This is what I so appreciate how, how Pastor Joshua, I think, has, has just had done a very godly thing in saying, let's admit where we are, but let's not stay there. We've got to admit where we are and say, yep, yep, I'm hurting right now. I'm hurting right now. You see, Jesus enters those places, but he doesn't enter them so that he can just hurt with you. He enters them, yes, he will hurt with you, but he wants to heal and restore in the process. You see, authenticity for its own sake is not a virtue. It's the beginning of healing. It's a necessary step for healing. If you are trying to bite your lip going, everything's going to be fine, I'm going to get through this. I got it, I got it, I got it. Then I wonder if Jesus would say, you know, I came for the sick, not for the well. Do you want to be healed or not?
No, our brokenness is not to be commended or denied. In fact, here's my proof of it. Isaiah chapter 61, which was Jesus' mission statement. This is how he kicked off his ministry, reading this and saying, this talks about me. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. Wait a minute, wait a minute. To heal the brokenhearted? Yeah, to heal them. To proclaim liberty to the captives, to open the, the prison to those who are bound, to comfort all who mourn. Do you see that? To give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That's the mission of Jesus. The mission of Jesus is to come to the poor in spirit, to come to the mourners, to come to all of us in our, in our broken places, things that we've done, things that have been done to us, and, 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 and take a knee and say, do you want to trade? Do you want to make an exchange? How about this? How about you give me the ashes and I give you beauty? How about you give me the, the mourning and I give you the joy and we'll weep together and then we'll come into a new day together? How about you give me the pain and I'll give you the balm? You give me the disease and, and, and I'll give you restoration. Do you see the message here? This was Jesus' entire ministry. So if we have a sentimental attachment to our own trials, it's time to give those to him because he came to make that very exchange. Let's not deny it. Let's enter into authenticity for a purpose, not for its own sake, but for a purpose for healing. If Jesus was speaking Eugene, what might the Beatitudes have looked like? Let's just try it. Blessed are the disillusioned hippies, for a real revolution has come. Blessed are the ringed and tatted, for he too was pierced and scarred. Blessed are the organic, the vegan, and the gluten-free, for the bread of heaven is not of this world. That's right. Blessed are the mentally handicapped, for the last shall be first. Blessed are those who farm in dry seasons, for you shall rely on the Lord. Blessed are the grandfathers left in nursing homes, for the cloud of witnesses remembers you. Blessed are those who toil long for little pay, for your reward shall be great. Blessed are those who have run from foster care, for your true home is closer than you think. Blessed are the battered wives in hiding, for you shall fear no longer. Blessed are those addicted to wine, meth, and porn, for they shall yet be set free. Blessed are those who love their neighbors well and are still called narrow-minded for my sake, for the Lord knows your heart, and that is enough. That, I believe, is something like what Jesus would say if he was here. You see, it's time to make an exchange. It's time to make an exchange, and it's time to announce to our community that we can make an exchange of brokenness for the wholeness that he came to give us in the first place. And when I think about making exchanges, I think about my son, Jack, and I think about when we lived next to Jeff and Debbie Waldrop. We were, my son, Jack, who's severely autistic, he likes uh, to have matching items to flap and to put in front of his eyes and different things. And uh, 
so he, he, it's called stimming, you know, and he'll do this, and it calms him and different things, and, and so he was, he was running around the house doing that one day, and, and we, we didn't know, we thought he was in the back room, and he, he suddenly comes out, and he's got two silver coasters that you put glasses on. Do you remember this, Debbie? Yeah. <laughs> two silver coasters, and he's running around with these coasters, and we're looking at him going, did we get coasters? Like, have we ever owned coasters? <laughs> and they're really nice, and he's like loving the light on them and all this stuff, and we're just like scratching our heads going, what just happened? Well, a few minutes later, Debbie comes knocking on our door, and she is laughing hysterically. <laughs> and she says, I just, we just got home. I went into my living room, and next to my table, they lived right next to us. Jack wasn't supposed to get out, but well... Next to the coffee table, where the coasters are, two silver coasters were missing. But on the floor, there were two pair of cartoon underpants. <laughs> See, my boy made an exchange. <laughs> took underpants and got silver coasters. <laughs> this is a good trade. A very good trade. And today, we can make that same trade. We can take our dirty laundry and get silver coasters instead. We can take all the things that we're embarrassed, he wasn't even embarrassed by it, but we can take the things we're embarrassed by by just pulling them out and acknowledging that we have them and getting the gifts of the kingdom instead. Awino, come forward, please. It's a beautiful gift he's offered us, and it's the gift to make the exchange of death for life. Awino. Praise the Lord. This is just awesome. Let's give God a hand. Oh, praise the Lord. Um, you know, way back in Africa where I was born and raised, um, exchange is such an, a huge thing. And uh, because we lived, I lived in a world where witchcraft was such a huge bondage, whereby people needed to be set free. And um, when I gave my life to Jesus, the Lord has given me or, or anointed me, given me the power and the authority to actually rebuke and cast demons out of people and it, it's such a powerful tool that God has given me and I believe um, there might be people here that are having things that, are, that they're carrying with them that you don't necessarily have to live with that for the rest of your life and I think uh, when Jason spoke about exchange I think Jesus really wants us to be set free so I would love to call up the uh, prayer servant team to come up front and if there's anybody in here that you feel like you are carrying those heavy burdens within you, within your soul and your spirit, that you need to be set free, I believe this is the time. You can come up here and share what you need to share, what you're going through, and they're going to encourage you and pray with you as well. Uh, in the meantime, I would love to also um, see if there's anybody in here that have never given their life to Jesus. 
okay? If you have never given your life to Jesus, I believe you're in the right place at the right time. Because there's nothing better than Jesus. Okay? Nothing better than Jesus. So just to end there, if you want freedom, if you want blessings, if you want to be smiling every day, if you just want to be living this life, relying on Jesus, you want that freedom, I think this is the time. Don't hold back. Don't overthink it. Because this nothing is impossible to Jesus. Amen? Are we willing to do that? All right, let's do it. Hallelujah. So if you want to meet the Lord Jesus Christ today and make him your savior, Owino just gave me the best part. Let's just pray this together. It's an introduction. It's an introduction. How many of you have ever been introduced to somebody that you'd always wanted to meet? You know, and you're just like, and then the friend comes up and says, hey, dude, I, I know that guy. You want me to introduce you? And you're like, yes. Yes, I do. Well, as it turns out, Owino is the middleman, and you're somebody that Jesus has really been wanting to meet. And so I get the opportunity to walk you through something as simple as a prayer to begin that. So let's just stand together. We're going to pray this together. It's not magic words. It's an introduction that begins a whole new relationship. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. I heard that there's nothing better than Jesus. And so I'd like to meet him. I heard that he died and rose again. And that that removes the distance between me and you. I heard that he forgives sin. And sin is a problem for me. I repent of my sins. Jesus, I would like to know you. Amen. If this was your first introduction with Jesus, if to know God, would you just raise your hand? Come on. If you need prayer today, if you want to make an exchange today, the prayer servant team is here. If you need healing, come and get healing. If you need a word of encouragement, they're going to be giving out prophetic words of encouragement today. Whatever it is that you need, come and share where you are and let them be a part of seeing Jesus make that exchange. God bless you. Have a